Comrades and friends, uh, before we begin the show today, I want to take a few minutes to say a sincere thank you to a very special group of people. Uh, you know many criticize me because I use crass language sometimes. I insult politically powerful people in a mean-spirited way, and, and this isn't nice. That's, that's true. But this week, uh, the Delaware House Democrats proved me correct again. They are craven, self-interested little bugs who I wouldn't piss on if they were on fire, just like I always said they were. Last month, the State House and the State Senate passed a cannabis legislation bill with a veto-proof supermajority. Their three-fifths majorities were, coincidentally, almost exactly the same supermajority of Delawareans who, when polled, support full recreational legalization of marijuana, 61%. Our smooth-brained governor duly vetoed the bill. Then, when the veto was brought before the House to be overridden, several representatives changed their minds. A lot can happen inside the childish mind over the course of a couple of weeks, so let's name them. Uh, obviously, the wad of chewed bubblegum from the beach, Pistol Pete, was no help. He's an incredibly dynamic leader, as we know. Uh, the human genital wart, aptly called Lumpy Carson, had a change of heart. A big surprise there. Stephanie Bolden, lover of landlords, had an epiphany. Uh, the T in the middle stands for fucking terrible. Uh, Bill George Herbert Walker Bush has never done anything good anyway, so who gives a shit? Uh, Andrea Bennett's leg haul career is wrapping up the way it started in an absolute disgrace. Uh, straight nepotism hire, whose inner office affair bagged her a spouse and whose ex-cop, ex-legislator father still can't get over being retired at the ballot box by Medina. And the sniveling fucking dork Sean Matthews. Candy-ass flip-flopper from, uh, from, from Brandywine. I did not know that this was uh, like a big issue in North Wilmington, but I guess I should have known. Look, I've said this before. This latest total failure has zero impact on me personally. I smoked weed twice this morning already. I'm an affluent white person. Keeping pot technically illegal is a way to ensure the police can harass and menace whoever they want, wherever they want, whenever they want. And that, friends and comrades, is a linchpin of the Delaware way. From the Shadow Rockford Tower, behind enemy lines, in the belly of that Delaware Way beast, uh, this is Rob. Uh, we're in the Bunker Studio. Carl is here with me. And joining as our guest today uh, is housing activist extraordinaire, uh, who change agent coach, and uh, all-around great advocate, Cheyenne Miller. Hi, Cheyenne. Hi. How's it going? How are you doing? I'm good. Well, I have to tell you that um, the, the original... Uh, topic for this was very scary. I didn't know what it was, and it just said Bud's Bills. And I was, I was like, whatever that is can't be good. Because, you, know, uh, you know, speaking of, of just do-nothing lumps, what, I, I know that um, that's part of a housing package that's being sort of um, reviewed, and it looks like it's not going to go anywhere. But before we get into some of the other uh, major clusterfucks uh, at, the, at Leg Hall in the last few weeks, um, what's going on with, with Bud uh, and housing in general? Yeah, so um, Senate Bill 311 is a bill that it was essentially put out that talks about two different things as it relates to vacant housing. And a lot of this um, sounds like, yeah, this would be, you know, it would just impact the full state because it's a Senate bill that's been put out for the state. But it actually would have like a, a big impact on Wilmington. And so basically what the bill does is it makes it so that you can bundle properties at share of sales and it would give the land bank, the only one in the state, 
is actually the Wilmington Land Bank. Um, the power to basically do what they call an apex bid. So they would basically be able to outbid everyone by only paying what's owed on the property, making it so that the owner of the property would not be able to get any equity because they wouldn't be able to bid, raise the price, obviously, and then send that extra money over to the owner. Obviously, that's not fair to the owner. And then bundling doesn't actually sound that bad, but um, well, I, I, I would say that, it, yeah, I mean, I can tell you that um, when I got a call about this earlier in the week, um, yeah, it immediately struck me as another sort of orchestrated land grab by private interest. Like, what's the easiest way we can get all of these properties into private hands the cheapest, quickest way? And so it's just another giveaway. It says, well, we can we can we can use sort of like imminent domain to bundle them all together into like a capital uh, investment, and then make sure that the one mechanism that's going to be able to privatize all of these gets the easiest bid. And right. so you you just pay this minimal amount. We'll bundle these all together for you. So yeah, I mean, it's just a, it's a perfect encapsulation of what um, of, of how we just give away our stuff. Right. And it it's it's one of those things that when you look at like on its face, it may not seem like it's a big deal because it's like, oh, what well, is vacant properties? Who really cares what happens to a vacant property? But at the end of the day, people seem to forget that, especially in the city of Wilmington, most vacant properties are actually owned by regular people that are from the state. Right. There are people who are just like. Maybe their their family member died, left it to them as an inheritance. Sometimes it's something that they acquired. They live nearby. They lived here for a long time. And they're like, you know what? I want to buy another property. Um, there are outside speculators and developers and stuff that own properties here in Delaware, tons of them. But actually, it's not as many as there are of just people here. So it's really our properties that that we're talking about here. And what would be happening with them is just what you said the ease of being able to basically bundle a property and likely sell it for less than what it's worth, that's scary, right? Like, that's scary, especially for someone who might be losing their property for something that's more out of their hands because they can't afford bills. You can get your property foreclosed on you because you can't afford your water bill. That's crazy. Like, you don't pay your trash bill. You can get your property foreclosed on you. You got farmers down in, in, in Delaware, people who own large tracts of quote-unquote unimproved land, land that doesn't have a structure on it. And... They may have had this in their family for a long time and not be able to afford to make payments on it. And boom, now it's all of a sudden, you know, gone. Yeah, I think the way people have to look at this and the way that I look at it is, and it's the it's the perfect sort of neoliberal trap you can get caught into. You said it before, like, okay, there's an abandoned home in the neighborhood and everybody has an interest in addressing that, sorting that out somehow. Um, or, you know, but what do you do? Then you say, well, there's this tract of land, um, used to be a farm in Sussex County and there's this huge boom. I mean, we could put townhouses on there and have people just like 20 minutes from the beach. So let's just figure out a way to take it. And so all, well, you put all these things together. That's where the bundle comes in. So you put all of these little things together and what you're doing is creating a, an, an institution by which you're solving a problem that somebody does see, right. but you're doing it in a very, uh, in a, in a way that just, um, you know, enriches private interest, enriches real estate development and corporate interest. And that's it. So that's that's the trick. You know, nobody's in here saying that we hope that, like, you know, neighborhoods have to have these vacant houses and we don't want to do anything. Oh, we yeah. certainly want to do something, but not this. And that's one of the things that came up during the committee hearing for this. So this bill came up like last Friday, introduced 
and literally was on a committee within like two days. So, you know, like we're like looking at this like, whoa, what is this? This is moving really fast. Like people don't even have a chance to really like digest this. And it's making some major changes. So we get into the committee and there are people who are for the bill that are explaining essentially, you know, we are concerned about making sure we have the right kind of investor coming in to deal with these vacant properties. And I think one of the state senators asked the question, well, what does that mean? Who is the right kind of investor? Um, And my take on the answer was essentially the one that can bring the most capital. And I was like, you know, when we talk about investments in our neighborhoods and these vacant properties, you know, a lot of people live around here are thinking to themselves, it would be amazing if I had the money to invest in a property that is in my neighborhood where I could turn that house into an affordable rental home or just to be able to invest in it so I could live in it myself. And yet we, for some reason, are putting forth bills that make it so that those homes are more likely to be taken from a family or taken from someone who wants to be a small investor and could become, like, you know, a homeowner eventually. And so, like, these vacant properties do need to be handled. But the question of whether they need to be able to be, for for example, bundled up and sold to these developers that who knows who they're going to be coming from and where they're going to be coming from and what their intentions are going to be. You know, that's that's not what we need to be doing with vacant properties. There are other a lot of other things that we could be doing to make sure these vacant properties are, are handled and it's unimproved because it's not just vacant properties. It's called unimproved land, land with no structures on it. And there's not really a strong definition for that, which is really scary because that means like you could probably call a lot of pieces of tracts of land unimproved. But, you know, it's not just vacant properties in the city. It's rural lands, places that are all over the state. So it's a big deal. It's not just the city. Yeah, and I said, and and I've had many many conversations with people in Sussex and Kent County who are extremely concerned about the development, um, you know, and just putting putting tracks of homes on every open lot that they can find, um, you know, for for investment purposes, for capital purposes, and there's other ways to do this. And just I, I I've mentioned before in other countries in Spain and in Italy, they, they have these for corporations so that the workers get an opportunity to to buy the corporation and run it as a co-op if the if the owners want to sell it or they die or whatever. That can be done with, with housing, too. It doesn't have to be a commodity. You know, give it to a group of residents who live within a certain area. Not every resident needs to take the responsibility, but as you said, uh, if, if somebody was given that opportunity for a small amount to pool their money because they live there, and it's a rental for people in the community that they pay rent to the community, you know, co-op. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a better idea uh, than having, you know, some some firm from New York State uh, come in and just own, you know, 170 homes spotted around the county. Yep. It doesn't yep. make sense. And that's the thing that we're always talking about with Homes Campaign is like, are we taking these properties and placing them in a way where there is community control as opposed to market control. And obviously we're not like that is not being prioritized. But like if you you can imagine how many properties that exist just in the city alone that are vacant, that could be turned into a land trust, for example, where there is like a co-op of community members who care for the land. They care for the, the, the properties and it creates affordable housing opportunities for people to buy into affordable rental opportunities like this has been done in Boston. This has been done in multiple places. I think there's even one down in Dover, a land trust that that creates affordable housing. And yet, again, these are not the investments. These are not the law changes. These are not the things that we see. Like, 
it this doesn't do that right? <laughs> at all. Yeah. Well, let, and, and let me um, just point out and, and maybe have you talk about some of the other efforts, uh, both in the legislature and in the advocacy sort of activism realm, because this comes off the off the back of, you know, uh, our friend Stephanie Terrible Bolton, you know, scuttling the tenants right to counsel again. So, you know, we on the we, we, we don't allow we allow, you know, the the, the big landlords uh, to have every advantage and we keep it that way. And then later on in the session, we try to figure out a way to to funnel them, you know, a capital more quickly and just take it and give it to them. And so people, I, you know, all of this stuff is is kind of connected. Uh, it's it's all a it's all a way to make sure that the the people whose interests are always taken care of our capital interests and the way that it's done is to say well you know like you said we're taking care of this property that this blighted property and so isn't that good uh, not like this it's not no and so what, what are some of the other housing things that are bubbling up I know we, we've talked about um, you know the tenants right to counsel but I'd, I'd love for you to talk about it more and some of the other things that are happening yeah I mean tenant right to counsel for eviction is, it's a huge thing right like this is something that could make a change for the way that 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 evictions are handled and the help that a family can get if they're facing eviction. And it would be a state law change. So we would basically be making it so that if you did have to go forward to court for an eviction, you might have access to an actual lawyer or an advocate that can help you through the process. And if you've never been through an eviction before, it is super scary. And even if you have, it's even scarier probably because you're like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm going through this again. And this bill is Senate Bill 101. This bill is one of those bills that started off super strong and the landlord lobby came in and negotiated down to its bare bones. And we know that this bill is something that's going to benefit. It's going to benefit so much of Delaware, especially the renters in Delaware who are just trying to make ends meet and don't want to be put out of their homes, are trying to pay their rent. They're trying to do their best. And so this bill, I mean, it's ridiculous that it's taken this long to get passed, but like it got out of the Senate pretty smoothly for the most part. Um, but when it got into the House, it got held up in the House committee um, in the House Housing Committee. And then it's now being stalled in the House Appropriations Committee. The bill already has funding for the first year. Um, and, and this question of like, you know, while we're in a pandemic, gas prices are high. People are struggling to find places to live and to maintain the places they're living what sense does it make not to do something that doesn't prevent evictions, but simply provides resources if you're going to face one? Something like a lawyer, something like an advocate who can help you walk through the evictions process. What sense does it make that we wouldn't do this here in Delaware? So on the Appropriations Committee, the people who voted no or were absent, that those people were Stephanie Bolden, Bill Carson, Kevin Hensley, Ruth Briggs King, like... Did I say Bill Carson? You did. Okay. I, was, I think I feel like I'm, that's the four people. Like, what What was that about? Like, there was no reason to hold this up. Like, if Senate leadership could get this, get this through, why can't House leadership? Well, I think... Especially when Val Longhurst is actually one of the people who is on this bill as a sponsor. Yeah. I mean, Val Longhurst is another one. Uh, it, it's, all, it's all part of this House sort of cabal of cops and, and police-adjacent... Uh, people and they depend on I mean let's uh, you know they depend on that that's their power structure 
Like, yes, you see a wad of gray bubble gum from Rehoboth Beach, Pistol Pete, and you're like, that guy runs the show, but he does. Because, uh, you know, it's a small sort of, uh, it's a small group he needs to control, uh, and the cops are a big part of that. And so that's what happens. I mean, we saw it with the weed thing. Um, we saw it with Leobor. And so now, I mean, the House, the House leadership is, is, is the, uh, the next big target. I mean, because as you said, it flew through the Senate because the Senate, we, we, we've won some, some large electoral victories. And so now, uh, you know, we can get some traction in the Senate. Um, but the House is scrambling, you know. It's in, it's in the Housing Committee. Now it's in the Appropriations Committee. And we let these people water it down. And we play, it's, all, it's all just, it's all razzle-dazzle. There's nothing there. Right. What we have to do is, is we have to throw them all out. Right. And we have until June 30th to get this through. You know, we, we do have till June 30th. But it's the fact that you're still stalling it as the House who you see all of this need for this and yet somehow you're holding on to something that is not going to hurt anyone. It is going to benefit everyone. So well, it's frustrating. My, I'm, and again, it sort of goes back to the first thing we talked about. What it, what it does do, though, is it sort of slows down the process to make sure we keep people in their homes, make sure that the process is followed and every opportunity can be taken um, through the through the civil law to keep people in their home if possible and that everything, you know, is done properly. But that takes time and money, and these landlords want them out. They want to raise the rent and get somebody else in there. Uh, we, saw it, um, we saw it when we dug into the history of the guy from Adam Street. You know, just decades of history of just extracting rents from people at every opportunity even you know you're you're providing substandard housing you're providing housing that's falling in falling on people's heads you're you're providing housing that gets condemned and people can't stay there um people owe you a few hundred dollars you take them to court to a victim um yeah i mean these are the interests so there is an interest yeah there is an interest it's just a very nefarious interest yeah and so that that you know and, and people yeah that guy is really something that that Adam Street situation, um, especially digging into the history, uh, as Jordan Howell did for the call, to see sort of how this how an operation like this works over tens of and twenty years, say, it's it's it makes you sick. You know, this guy is just from from working class and poor people has just extracted rents from collateral from housing stock that's not that great. I don't know, and, it, and again, it's it's because it's on Adams Street too, and, and it's a highly trafficked area. You know, it's right on the uh, the ninety five corridor. It cuts, you know, it breaks a couple of different uh, neighborhoods apart. You're like, man, I've I've seen those people sit on their porch or walking around, or like, you know, I walk through there to get um, downtown from here, and you're just like, this guy couldn't even provide them with 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 appropriate housing, and just 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 sucked every nickel from every person. That had to live there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that landlord AJ Pohorny. Def- definitely, those those units, um, as beautiful as we know the potential of them are, were in such disarray. I mean, they were so substandard. I mean, the fact that they were condemned when they were condemned. Yes, it's a good thing because honestly, like those places were obviously falling apart. But you know, the thing that bothers me the most about what happened on Adams Street was more about the way that the city handled the residents. Because we are all like, I'm fighting on SB 101. There are other policies that we want to fight on that protect renters. Because we're all about like, let's improve the, the conditions for renters out here. Because honestly, we're not getting a lot for, for our money at this point as renters. And so like, landlord accountability 
is super important to Holmes' campaign. And it's also important to the city of Wilmington. But to us, not at the expense of what they did to residents that day. That day was crazy. I was, I don't live over there. I don't live in that area. But I got a call from someone and a text. And someone was like, you need to watch this video. And then one of my peoples called me and they were like, Cheyenne, they're just putting people out. Eighth and Adams, you got to go down to Eighth and Adams. They're just putting people out, tons up on. There's dozens of people just standing outside. I'm like Eighth and Adams, like what are you talking about? Like what are you what are you doing? There's like, can you please get down there? And I'm like, what am I supposed to do when I get down there? And I get down there, and these families are just sitting outside in the rain. The weather is not looking good because remember that day that this happened was like May 16th, and they were like, it's going to be a tornado. There's going to be storms, and. Like, A.G. Bacorny is, like, in his car. The residents wouldn't let him leave. Good organizing for the residents over there. And the cops are standing in front of everyone's door, blocking them from being able to get into their buildings. Some people have their pets outside. Most people have their kids outside. And you can tell that no one knows what's going on. There are a few city officials there, not, not a ton. And there are some state reps there. And I get there late. This had been happening for hours. So I'm, 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 I'm showing up late. I don't know what I'm doing. You got to get caught up. I, I'm just trying to figure out, like, should I help with something? I, you know. And I'm telling you, it, it, was, it was one of those situations where when you started to see some city officials actually show up. Like, I know Michelle Harley showed up. That's her district. Um, she's a city council member. Sherry Dorsey Walker was there. Um and I believe that's going to be Sherry Dorsey Walker's district. But right now, I think it was actually Stephanie Bolden's district. When I was out there, I did not see Stephanie Bolden. I, I mean, um, she was probably on the phone with uh, the landlord making sure everything's... I mean, I, I did not see her out there. T, the T stands for terrible folks. Mike Przicki showed up and um, Matt Myers showed up. And Matt lives... Uh, right around the corner right, or something like that, there. right? Yeah, he lives in Trinity. Um so, I mean, you know, not too shocking, right? It's a city where a lot of people do live near each other. I was really happy that there were people that showed up. But I'll be honest with you, a lot of the, the organizing came from Sherry Dorsey Walker and Matt Myers, and they were able to find places, and Holmes Campaign helped collect contact information for some of these people, and we helped get people transported to some of the motels that they were sent to. But at the end of the day, there was no plan from the city to do anything except to shut those units down. They did not call the Delaware Health and Social Services where you could get someone help and find them shelter. They didn't call legal aid agencies. There was no plan for those residents. And that is, to me, like crazy. You cannot just shut these places down and not have a plan for where the people who live there go. And that's a that's a failure on the city. Yeah. And, and again, I think this was pointed out in Jordan's uh, article. The, the the code says, the law says, that the landlord is responsible yes. if the building is condemned for putting these people up. And so he's known the, as so a landlord who doesn't do his responsibilities. Right. So <laughs> as the city, the, I mean, yeah, I mean, the plan, it seems pretty easy from a city perspective. Say, you know, do this or we're gonna, you're, you're going to be arrested because you, you, you're, you're not providing housing. The housing's falling down. And the code says you have to put these people up. What's your plan? Yeah, and I don't even know if that's considered like criminal or civil. I know or how. it's civil. I just don't know what. Yeah, you know. no, the landlord tenant code is not enforced by the DOJ, so it would have to be brought up in a civil suit. Right, which means that basically, old boy, old, old boy AJ would have to be sued by the tenants for not putting them up because the building. The same tenants who probably don't have the legal help that they need to be able to do a case like that, and right. that is 
why I was pissed off because you knew that AJ, if AJ wasn't taking care of the actual buildings, why would he put these people up in motels? Why would he help them find storage for their stuff? Why would he do what was required of him under law? And did you even explain that and give that information to the residents this is when why, you put them out? This is, well, this is why tenants' right to counsel is so important, but this is why the first call should have been to legal aid. Right. Get, get people from classy there. That should have been And then one. you have attorneys there that now you have an attorney that says, now I'm representing these people as legal aid. And how gonna, is even it that the city bono, officials then, didn't do that? Yeah, that's... Like, to me, that is so... It is not just... They they're saying, oh, we and this is this is messaging from the city, right? Like if you actually watched what happened after May 16th and looked and see what the city was saying, how the mayor was quoted messaging from the city was all about. This is why we need to hold landlords accountable. This is why we need to have better code enforcement. This is why these, you know, these properties, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yes, yes, yes. And what are you going to do for the people who are living here now? At the end of the day. People who are living in these places now are living there because that's what they have available to them. And you deciding that you're going to walk in and just put someone out is not always the right move. And I'm not saying that you should keep people in a condemned building that's going to fall on their head. What I'm saying is, did you even take the time to make sure that it was coordinated with the state agencies and with the nonprofits that exist to help people in these situations? That is irresponsible. You can't say that you 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 care. It, to me, it sounds like this. You care less about the people than you do the property itself. That, to me, looks like you care more about the property. You're not worried about the landlord being held accountable. You're not worried about and You're worried about the property itself. And that, to me, says that you're viewing property more important than the people who live in it. It's disgusting. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's not surprising. Yeah, and, and just think about it at the bottom line. The city puts police at the doors and says, you can't go back in there. And they say, well, where am I supposed to go? And they shrugged her. Sh- and they just like, I, I'm, and that's I don't what know. people were like, where are we going? And I mean, there were I, re- I was hearing all kinds of rumors. Some people were like, oh, they're going to send us to the Sunday breakfast mission. Anyone who's ever been there is probably going to be like, I don't know if that's where I want to go. A lot of people were like, mm. then they were like, we're going to go send them over to the Hope Center. People didn't even know where the Hope Center was. No, like that people people were going to have and this is still an issue people going to the hope center which is all the way out on nuke in, in newcastle where it's not even in like newcastle ave i'm talking about like newcastle on 141 yeah, surrounded by the highway out in some like little yeah, it's on area we, we've talked about that i talked about this with matt meyer when when they got the money to to, open to do it center. right because i said it's 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 a, all and centralizing uh services and putting people up in safe like clean places, that's all great. But really, what it is is putting them out on an island in the middle of nowhere and getting them and out. And people of the city. were worried Mike about transportation. Yeah, and that's what I said. I mean, is there going to be a, a bus every ten minutes that goes here and there? Like, how does that work? Transportation is a huge thing. And so while while it was important that these people found a roof over their head, they needed someplace safe to go. Yes, and we were happy that they were able to find somewhere safe to go. But I'll be honest with you, and I've done this with the Ida victims as well. It is now one of the hardest times because no one is going to ask the question of did these people find safe, affordable housing, permanent housing after that incident and who is responsible for giving it them, giving it to them? No one. There is no agency that has to help these people find safe and affordable housing. So these people are on their own where they had a place they, they were able to afford. Even though it was substandard, even though it was literally falling in over the heads, they at least had something they could come home to. 
And now they're sitting in hotels, motels, friends' houses, and sleeping in cars and all kinds of foolishness. And no one is there, not one state agency, not one place that's going to ensure that they are finding them housing. Now, I'm not saying they're not getting help from from DHSS and things like that. But are people being given the case, the intensive case management they need to find a new place to live? And I'm going to tell you, no, they're not. Yeah, well, no. I mean, even in the best of in the best of circumstances, so, so any kind of social services, housing support, any kind of thing like that is always just the bare minimum. Yep. You get the bare minimum um, so we can say Because we don't invest in people. Correct. We don't care. <laughs> right. That's, I mean, unfortunately, that's just a fact. And and I, I know you probably know we had Stacey Henry here and talked very uh, at length about the fallout from the Ida flood. Mm-hmm. And some of those people are still homeless. Yeah. I mean, one, uh, one of the, the gentlemen who was with his wife and grandchild uh, passed away uh, yes. I guess a month ago, six weeks ago, something like yeah. that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and he was still in, in substandard. Uh, he you know, was in like a hotel. A, he was in a hotel, a substandard hotel. You know, and so like when when looked at when looked at all together, I don't think anybody. I don't. I don't understand people don't come to the exact same conclusion you did. That the capital, the real estate, that's more important. The people who own the capital and their interests are 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 paramount. And people can just you know the regular person who's been put out or put in danger, um, they get like the bare minimum. Just, I mean, just like subsistence. Subsistence. And that is why, you know, when we talk about what the city needs to be doing or this, you know, this SB 311, that's this vacant bundling bill with with land land bank apex bids and all that stuff. A lot of this stuff sounds complicated, but at the end of the day, it comes down to how is the city going to make sure that the housing stock is safe, that it's quality and that the residents are cared for. And that is a problem. That is a problem that the city has yet to do. And no matter how often Holmes campaign be coming around with solutions for this, we find it very difficult sometimes to be telling people these things and then to have them listen. And I'm gonna tell you right now, if it's not profitable when it comes to housing, it's not popular. And that is just an important thing for people to remember. Not every good housing policy is going to be profitable for the people who need it to be profitable. Yeah, like, people sometimes need to it's understand. going to help people in other ways. Yeah, people need to understand that the idea of, of housing as a commodity, the idea of housing as uh, like an investment, like a stock or a cryptocurrency or like something you invest in, you know, like a bond or something, uh, for, for m- most regular people, it's they, we need a place to live. You know, so un- unfortunately, I, I hate to tell you this, but this idea that everything has to make money is just not going to fly or else we're going to have we're, we're just going to have we're going to be leaving people to housing to just... cannot be a human right if it's a commodity. Correct. It's very simply, it cannot be a human right if it is treated as a commodity. And we believe it's a human right. Nobody, nobody doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, what you're doing. None of that should go without a place to lay, lay their head. Nobody. It's a human right. And yet. We don't treat it like that. Our government doesn't treat it like that. Our local or our state government. No, and and, I, and the other thing that I hope people really start to reckon with is the idea that the people who this affects. Um, another example: uh, Brandon Fletcher was in here talking about going around because of uh, water shutoffs. People don't know how. Oh, I to... got news on that, baby. Oh well, let's. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Don't get me upset, Rob. <laughs> uh, well, let me just say this. Don't. Let me say this, and I'll let you do the you do your you do your update. Is all of these housing issues happen to people who have like zero political power? 
they've been marginalized they've been left out to to struggle for themselves with the if you know the bare minimums given to them basically so they don't die and people don't think about it they 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 think that there's only one political way and it's because of the people who are getting their water shut off and not understanding how to get it turned back on uh, getting the rent raised by astronomical amounts in substandard housing, having their houses uh, collapse on them, or being taken to court and not having representation over a few hundred dollars or a thousand dollars, you know, having your home flooded out with no, the Wilmington has no plan during that emergency, having your building condemned, the Wilmington has no plan in that emergency, um, you know, them trying to take a plot of land because you don't have a thing on it in Sussex County, like you were talking about before. All of this stuff, we can't. We have to, this is the way to address it, and, and coming up with a scheme to make sure that private interests make money is not going to work. I mean, we're just going to have to, people are going to have to start to come to that realization. But give us the update on the water oh thing. God. I saw your eyes light up, so now I have, to, I have to know. Because I'm triggered this month. If anyone <laughs> knows anything about me in this last two, three months, I'd say, you know, the the way that the city and the state have been treating housing issues has been atrocious. Um, but one thing that's been going on with the water, so... Quick recap, city of Wilmington, water bills, right? Like, we know that this is an issue. People are paying a lot for water. Some people are actually getting their water shut off, and this has been happening since, like, I would say mid-2021, right? And this is while pandemic is going on. And so Holmes' campaign is like, yo, man, you shut somebody's water off. They can actually get put out of their house. Their house can get foreclosed on. Like, back due water bills is actually pretty serious. You can get your house taken from you from that. You can condemn someone's house if they don't have access to water. This is a housing issue. Maybe we shouldn't turn people's water off. Maybe water is a human right. And everyone's like, you're crazy. Obviously. So we we ask for some help. Like, let's let's put together some ordinances that are going to protect people. So council member Shanae Darby steps up and she's like, hey, I'll, I'll put up a, a water ordinance that says we can't shut people's water off for the next six months. Then we can make sure people catch up by using some of these these um, funding sources that will help low income people get access to help paying their water utility. Awesome. City council says, mm, nah. No, no, we're not going to do that. So we said, cool. Okay. Maybe, maybe that's too much for y'all. Maybe we should just help the most vulnerable people who have kids under age five, people who have an elderly individual, people with disabilities. Maybe those households should have, you know, no shutoff. They should be exempt from shutoffs. So she puts up an ordinance that says that. And what was it? This past Tuesday or Monday, I believe the finance committee said no they said no they didn't want to see that i mean i i'm shocked because the votes had me shook i actually was kind of surprised because some of the areas that people were from these 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 finance committee members i mean like we had chris johnson voted no we had xanthia oliver voting no um we had nathan fields vote yes we had um i was i was i was wondering trippy voted yes we had um questions from other council members that were like well what happens if someone's water does get shut off and like doesn't that kind of make it so they can't live in their house anymore which is kind of an issue of homelessness like should we shut people's waters off is kind of the thing obviously probably not especially if they're you know they got kids or something it was it was shocking to watch some of these votes that we had the way that people were basically like that james spadola even was like is this even really a problem like james spadola asked the question he's like is this even really a problem and i'm like bruh 
you can come and walk out with us. Like if you want to, like you're you're an at large baby. You're an at large. You can come and walk out to the home with the homes campaign and knock on people's doors outside of Trolley Square, my friend. Please feel free to come over to West Side and knock on people's doors and ask them if they're struggling. We can't put people's names and information out there, but we've talked to because that's a violation of their privacy. But I'm gonna tell you right now, I've met single mothers with kids with disabilities. I've met people who are just working single men who are trying their best to just make ends meet that have lived for months without water in their household. People who have pets that really love their pets that are borrowing water from their neighbors so that they can have something to make sure their pets have something to drink so they can have water to bathe with because people have no choice sometimes and the the, the resources that are out there aren't enough. Yeah, I mean, it... it <sighs> They're not enough. Here's what I'll say about... Because, I, I, you know, I was sort of saying it. We, we're, we're, we're captivated by this idea that this couldn't possibly be happening. Because some fucking dunderhead like James Spadola can't it can't even in his mind realize that, yeah, people's water's getting turned off and they have kids or they have elderly parents living with them or whatever. Or they just nobody. First of all, I hate this idea where we call some and, and it's not something you're doing, but this idea that we call something a human right or we know that it's important, but we're not gonna really do anything. Well, maybe for the sickest and the oldest and the you know, and the most vulnerable, maybe we'll do the bare minimum. So they're the people that now we're now we're down to we do the bare minimum, but only for the people who are like close to close to the edge. Everybody else, well, you don't get it then. And it's just it's sicko behavior. I mean, for someone to say, is this really a problem is is sicko behavior. But I'm glad to hear and I did not know. So now I you did bring me good news. My city council member, who is really sort of a, a Przicki sort of lapdog type guy, voted for the voted for the, the water thing. I was happy to hear that we at least had a couple <laughs> that were going to vote for it. Well, but I, yes you know, on it. You know, I, I guess I would have said that Nathan was like, I would have probably said something like, I know better than Spadola. But way to go, buddy. That was awesome. Thank I'm, you. I'm very happy. Those people who voted yes on that, you know, there was a big deal because it did show where you're, you know, where where your concerns lie and this was not saying that no one should have their water shut off or even saying that these families don't have to pay their water bill right it was saying hey maybe these are the houses we shouldn't shut off water because they can't afford it like maybe those are the ones we should care for i mean i'm not gonna lie i was actually i was shocked at the the, the some of the votes that i saw i mean a lot of the places like on east side i mean xanthi oliver ended up voting no on this and um, I, w- I I've been on East Side. We've we've mar- we've walked on East Side, knocked doors. Like that's we- where Brandon was going when we had the first yeah. conversation. He yeah. was going around canvassing for about the water and stuff on East Side and Riverside. Actually, need that help. And I was just shocked when she voted no, because I just assumed that in her area people would want her to vote yes on that. You know, I could I could kind of understand people that are like in the Highlands area or that are in Trolley Square being like, I don't care. Not James Fadola. He is an at-large, so he should be caring about the entire city, not just one part of it. But, you know, like, that shocked me to see that there are people who were in some of those really high-need areas. Same thing with, with West Side. I'm on West Side. I know. I, I've walked on West Side, and we knocked on doors, and we know there are a lot of people on Hilltop that need help. And yet, somehow, we still managed to have uh, Chris Johnson say no. Well, Chris Johnson, the last time I saw him... Uh, he was standing uh, in the middle of several um, several emirs and sheiks uh, in the in the UAE uh, with with Przicki. Uh, they were they were digging up something. The the it never said what ceremonial digging they were doing. We assume 
that they're burying all the slaves that died to build the World Cup stadiums. And that's actually what they were doing. So it was really great to, to, to really reach out to Qatar and their, and their, um, their monarchy um, at the exact same time where, you know, Bangladeshi and Nepalese um, slaves are dying to build the World Cup stadium. So way to go, Chris Johnson. I'm glad, I'm glad you found what you were looking for. And, uh, and you know, you're, 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 you're a big man now. You're fancy. Um, you're going on junkets to the, to the Middle East. And, you know, you, you, get, to, you get to pal around with, with Perziki and the, and the, w, and the, and the uh, Puccini Pollen Group and all that. I'm, I'm so proud of you, buddy. Really, really proud. And now, of course, you know, people go without water, but, <clears throat> you know, that's really not your concern, I guess. I don't, I'm very upset with that guy. You know, I have to ask you this since we're on the subject. You know, Spadola's an at-large council person, but he's also like the one, like the Republican, you get the, actually, you get the, the one Republican. Well, you know, in Philadelphia, I've mentioned this before, I was able to speak with her briefly once for the podcast. Uh, the Working Families Party ran... Uh, a candidate in that slot, in that like alternative party slot, as a working families party candidate, uh, and um, I f- I feel like that's we have to we have to kind of plot to do something like that because I think a an at large council person from the working families political party, Cheyenne Miller, would be a great <laughs> city council person. <laughs> What do you, I mean, you I would be never there. run for I any know. elected position. Everyone who talks to me probably knows this. I, and I don't, I don't want to not see some changes on city council as a resident of the city of Wilmington. I don't do electoral politics from can, canvassing and all the way from from the volunteer all the way up to running and stuff. But we need someone new. And the thing is, for me. I know enough about the voting that I see that there's quite a few people that need to be having their seats flipped. Um, Some of these districts got to be flipped if you guys want to see improvement when it comes to housing in the city. But I'll be honest with you, you couldn't get me on city council if you paid me, bro. And, you, and they do, they paid too. They get paid. They get well, paid. You got uh, You you had to really mm, twist my arm. Here's, here's what I'll say. I not. I know you're not in electoral politics. And as a matter of fact, I I tell this story from time to time. And I thought about it um, this week because of the 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 weed uh, override veto that failed, um, and me writing the commentary uh, is that whenever I talk to somebody about organizing and activism and advocacy and we relate it to electoral politics like it's good to have our comrades in electoral office people do electoral politics and campaign training and their network does it and obviously working families party does it quite a bit i said but i i really i like to adhere to a maxim that my great friend cheyenne miller always uh, says about elected politicians throw them all in the trash <laughs> and i was like that. i'm always saying i'm like you I know what cheyenne miller says Throw them in the fucking trash. They don't need to be there. Just let them all go. At this yeah, point, we just I mean, might as well all, just take like garbage. ballot votes on everything. I mean, uh, <laughs> you know, there's there are a few, um, you know, good uh, good elected politicians in in Delaware. Sinead Darby is one of them on the city council. Uh, Medina, who I mentioned, Marie Pinckney, Larry um, Kowalko, Eric Morrison is a good elected official. I think that's it. I can't if 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 I didn't say your name, uh, you're probably very bad. I'm dead. (laughs) Yeah, you're probably very bad. I mean, maybe I forgot somebody, and somebody can say, "Oh, you didn't say," and I'll agree with you. But I think there's like five people. That's it. You just got to know where people voting. I tell people this: if you're gonna do organizing, you want to get into into any of this this stuff that we consider to be politics, just know where they voting at. I mean, even if you don't, even if you don't want to run or you do want to run. 
the end of the day, the biggest power isn't just where we put our vote. It is literally where the elected officials, the current elected officials are putting their vote. And like by June 30th, when these bills do or don't pass, like the Homeless Bill of Rights or or SB 101 for right to right to representation during evictions, at the end of the day, we're the ones who get screwed. Like knowing where these people vote to me is one of the most important parts of electoral politics is because you know whether or not these people should even be in there anymore. Like you got to follow where people vote. Yeah. So let's finish up with that. Let's I, I before we started recording, I mentioned that I saw a really um, great graphic one pager that um, Working Families Party had put up on the Internet about. Uh, on social media about um, the stuff that's basically stuck in committee and um, Carl and I have talked about it you know the different ways to, to slow this stuff down and kill it um, so we have what 101 right to counsel is still a possibility yes it is so it's an in it's stuck in appropriations what can happen now is that even though they have voted no on it in appropriations, they can still walk that bill around and get the signatures it needs to move on so it can be voted on the House floor. And the people who have the power to do that are Pete Schwartzkopf, Val Longhurst, our leaders in the House. They are the ones who are going to have to say that renters matter, renters needing help and during evictions matter. Get that bill onto the House floor. Let's get it passed. Yeah, and I do want to uh, always make the differentiation between those in leadership and and those who are leaders. Um, they're in leadership. Uh, they lead nobody. Um, they're led. Um, so, I, you know, I, I have nothing. I have no... Uh, it's hard to be optimistic when the people that um, could turn this around are just craving little bugs, um, like I said before. So that's that's disheartening but let's hope because again all of these housing issues are starting to blow up and you know they 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 backed out of the weed legalization i mean they were handed a win the the democrat the house democrats were handed a win like you could do this and people it would be like hey they did something great uh and they just they just threw it away and i i you know i'm looking for some win somewhere on one of these things what else? Is there another? Um, so the, the, the homeless rights. Yeah. Uh, c- can you give us some information on that, where it's at and who people can sort of maybe call to push something like that? Homeless Bill of Rights. So, you know, that's HB 235, House Bill 235. And the Homeless Bill of Rights is really focused on making sure that if you do happen to become homeless, God forbid, or if you're experiencing homelessness right now, that the current rights that you have are going to be protected, that you are not going to be told that you can't sit on a park bench, for example, or be discriminated against when you're trying to get a public service or get help someplace, because those are rights that you have now. You're walking around in a suit, you got a nice little house and you got a car and all that stuff. You should be able to have those same rights if you happen to fall in hard times and you're experiencing homelessness. However, House Judiciary Committee said, no, we don't like that. That bill isn't good. That's not that's not the kind of bill we we, we want to pass. We don't like protecting the rights of homeless people. Um, and so unfortunately, that bill is stuck in the House Judiciary Committee and we need for them to go back in and vote that thing out because this is a basic bill. It's not giving people new rights. It is simply saying that just because you're experiencing homelessness does not mean you should also experience discrimination. Yeah, I mean, what's the 
what what is the lame excuse they're giving as far as not wanting to move this along? Funny, What's, there's a couple excuses that we uh, heard because I feel like this is go- they're going to be very funny and dumb, and I like to make fun of them. Please. So one was there was some questions in the bill from um, especially from local city people uh, about like voting issues so one of the issues with voting is registration specifically to vote is that you got to have an address just like you got to do with like almost everything and guess what homeless people don't have they don't have one of those oh no an address and so some of the issues that people have when they're experiencing homelessness is simply using the address of a shelter like for example the friendship house may allow you to use their address here in the city um so that you can get your mail because you're homeless right like that's a big problem and so some of those issues with voter registration people were basically concerned that they were going to have to change their city charters so that homeless people could vote just so you know you actually have the right to vote regardless of what your housing status is just just, just well, as just you should right. you should right so when, when you say change their charter because they because they don't want homeless people to vote so actually we we did have some situations where people were making comments that having homeless people in in um in in, in, the, in the queue so you can go into the ballot yeah that they shouldn't be there. We've had those comments come up. Before. I'll tell you what. I mean, hopefully somebody hearing this has either heard somebody say that or they are somebody who says that. So that's a good indication of some of the worst people. And they are elected around. officials that have said it. Just well, so I, we're clear. Yes. Yeah. I can't believe that uh, I would have to stand in line with a homeless person. Yeah. They literally were like, yeah, they get belligerent and they stink. And I was like, Jesus is Lord. Please stop being so discriminatory. Little bugs. Little fucking nothing. I couldn't believe it. So and that that's one issue. Of course, um, people were all also concerned about um, and this was something when they were crafting the bill that actually came up a lot was what happens when an officer is the person who is discriminating that is a really complicated issue that is a really complicated issue and that was something that like in in the legislation like they had to keep going back and looking to see what was the process for Who's going to deal with that officer? Is it the AG's office? Is it this this commission on human relations? And that is actually where a lot of, of harassment does come from. A lot of harassment of homeless people actually comes from um, law enforcement. And so that was another thing that people were super concerned about on the bill. Um, and, and the way that the bill was uh, was framing it really mattered for them. And then people just are in general kind of were like, we don't really think homeless people need, quote unquote, more rights. Homeless people actually don't need more rights. They just need the rights they have protected. They just need the ones that they already have enforced. That's what this bill would have yeah, done. Yeah, I mean, the reason that it, the reason anybody can even say more. Yes, they need further protection because of the situation that they find themselves in. So it might look like, oh, we're doing but we I mean, we failed these people at every turn. They've somehow not even gotten the minimum, that baseline minimum. And now they're in, a, a, you know, they're sleeping rough outside. Um, they're in danger often, I'm sure. Um, they don't have any facilities or anything. So, yeah, making sure that they're treated like human beings might we might have to do a little more. To make sure that they're treated like a human being, that doesn't mean that they're, they're, that they're getting special rights. That doesn't mean you know we some people don't you know need that uh, because they're not in that situation. And so it's just it's just a real it's a real ugly. You have to have a real ugly spirit, you know, to 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 to, to think that way. Yep. You, I mean, your insides need to be you know 
on the rock. You have to buy into the the stigmatization of being homeless. You have to buy into it. And I I say this to people all the time because people are like, I'm scared of homeless people or homeless people ask me for stuff. So I get upset. And it's just like, you know, unfortunately, we're all like a couple of steps away from being homeless. Right. Like one, it doesn't take too long. Like some people become homeless for things that are completely out of their control. Some people become homeless for things that are a little bit in their control. But the fact that they're able to become homeless is 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 what it is and and it's a it's a reality that we all sort of face we're all near it and so that that stigma that people buy into about homelessness is what holds us back and unfortunately it's not until someone experiences homelessness that they finally fully understand that that stigma is simply bullshit yeah i mean as you said people don't think that they're close but but trust me if you you know, if you lose your job and you lose your insurance, your health insurance. <laughs> Water bill gets high. <laughs> you, you know, you lose your health insurance. Maybe somebody's homeless because they they're, they don't have, they cannot get health care. Mm-hmm. You know, they can't get health care for a drug addiction. They can't get health care for uh, a mental health issue. And and so we so we, we, we don't offer people health care, really. Or if, if any bare minimum free health care you get is so incredibly difficult to figure out how to use or get or go to that now they're homeless. But now we treat them as if, like, they're not people now. We just fail people at every every step mm-hmm. because we'd rather uh, we'd rather build build institutions and mechanisms to hide stuff so we can ignore it more easily than actually fix it. The residents at Adam Street came home literally from work and there were police officers and locks on their doors. They paid their rent. They did everything they need to do. And they were homeless within the blink of an eye. And that is what I mean when I say homelessness can come after any of us. Those people did everything they were supposed to do. And they still ended up living in a hotel somewhere, shacking up with a friend. We're all at risk. So why not make sure that the protections we have now where we're not experiencing homelessness are the protections we'll have when we are experiencing it? You know? Yeah. So, Carl, did we miss any uh, any non-housing stuff that's on that sort of, like, tentative list as we roll into the 30th of uh, June here? I know there's a, there was a couple so, other sort of non-housing stuff. And sorry, I was doing um, also some confirmed texts for an event. Oh, nice. But... Uh, did we talk about housing dis- in- uh, income discrimination at all? Oh my God, they be doing it, y'all. Which they um, <laughs> they be doing it. If any, I think we had talked about this Listen. with um, the Spiegelman situation because that was over that bill. Oh right, we talked about um, it. Because- fighting. Was they fighting? No, he uh, fight? he was one. He slammed down and he was like, "This oh, is yeah. a fart," and then he ran out. So that I was over SB ninety. Damn. Um, but so that got tabled that day, or they didn't ended up hearing it, and I just saw they scheduled. The housing committee for next week, and it's still not on the agenda. I don't know if that's just because... I think if it got tabled, you can't necessarily put it on the agenda. You have to have a motion to lift it from the table. So they might still bring it up, but I believe next month is going to... And for context, that'll be um, the 15th. will probably be the final actual housing meeting. And they can walk it after that if they want to, but... So that's still in committee, and then... I know Eric has some bills. So there was a couple that we were waiting for. So there's the Green Amendment and the Inspector General Bill, which... Had been sitting in admin. Those are now scheduled for next Wednesday, so hopefully those will get released. Um, Eric Morrison has his pay time off to vote bill, which, which is good. Yeah, uh, that is still stuck in admin. That is not on the agenda, as far as I can tell. Um, he also has a protection for whistleblowers, so that people can't use their immigration status against them. Perfect. Love um, I mean, that we just got, mentioned Eric Morrison before. That got out of committee, right. but it is still waiting on the ready list. So hopefully it'll end up on the House agenda sometime in the next week or two. Um, 
And actually someone who, like, I'm not always a big fan of, but had a really good bill, um, Krista Griffith, uh, uh, Healthcare for All Children, which expands, it creates a program so that, like, undocumented children as well can get access to uh, Medicaid and medical service. Oh, nice. So that is, oh, it got Griffith, through committee, hey! but now it's stuck through uh, an appropriations committee, just like all these other things. And they put an amendment on it that would cap how much could be spent on it. So I'm thinking that's probably a tactic to try to get it through the committee a bit easier. So hopefully that'll get walked sometime soon. And actually, it might have been walked sometime, and I just didn't notice it. But fingers crossed that that one gets through as well, because that would be really, really good for a lot of people. Yeah, and I mean, the big one, all of those would be really good for a lot of people. And they're sort of like the, I even call them the easy ones, like pay time off to vote. It's once every two years. Or if you have maybe, sometimes you have a primary and a general, or you have, you know, maybe a student, a, um, a school board election or something but it's just like the again bare minimum like make sure all kids have health care it's not this is not this isn't this is low-hanging fruit yeah not the, the children <laughs> what did they, they say fuck them kids fuck them kids uh yeah i mean this is this is this is low-hanging fruit i mean we didn't uh you know we some of the big stuff like leobor we're not going to get because we know why uh, but this is stuff that can at least help improve people's lives, make th make it a little easier to vote, make it make sure that kids have health care, make sure that, you know, people don't discriminate against poor people trying to rent uh, apartments and, and houses. So it's just come on, people, a big push at the end. Let's 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 really do it and try to do something. And last but not least, I know the Green Amendment is incredibly important to pass because it has to pass in two straight sessions because it's a constitutional amendment. So it it really that has to be a huge push. I know um, Rachel Gaguar and her team at Working Families Party is is part of the coalition that's down there, you know, trying to get that push. So at least we can have a framework. <laughs> I mean, this is just like at least we can have a framework by which to start dealing with uh, environmental issues that I have news for you are going to hit this state uh, very quickly. And once the once the flip once the switch is flipped, um, we're we're all going to be in a real bad way. I mean, we've already seen increased flooding the last couple of years, the last five years. We've already seen temperatures go up. Um, we already have you know kind of dirty air and dirty soil because of how we've used it for the past two hundred years or three hundred years. Um, so, you know, we need to get this framework in place to start dealing with that stuff. And, and, and again, it has to pass uh, two straight sessions uh, because of the constitutionality of it. And so it's, it's, it's extremely important that um, you talk to your representatives about passing the Green Amendment uh, as, as, as a top, top priority. Yeah. The Ida victims are Delaware's climate refugees. Yeah. Like, we have climate refugees here, just like y'all looking at Africa and y'all like to be like, oh, them people in Africa fighting over water and the people in the Middle East fighting over water. We have climate refugees here, and those are the Ida victims. Like, we need this passed. <laughs> like, yeah. pass this now. Yeah, because that's that's just the tip of a of a, an iceberg that's going to continue to happen over and over over time if we don't if we don't pass it. Hey, this is Carl from June sixteenth. Uh, we are. I'm currently editing this episode, which was recorded on June tenth. Uh, and now that we're in June, things are starting to move a lot quicker. So I wanted to give some updates on some of the bills that we talked about here. Uh, so unfortunately, there's not yet been a hearing on SB 101 or on SB 90. 
Uh, I believe SB90 could get heard next week. It turns out that they are planning to extend some committee meetings, so this is not going to be the last week committee meetings. So fingers crossed that that happens. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, the Green Amendment, which we were just talking about, uh, was just tabled in committee earlier today. It was heard on Wednesday, but they didn't vote on it. And then they finished the committee hearing this morning, and it failed. So just wanted to give that heads up to folks. Um, and another bill that we did not mention here because it was not introduced yet, uh, but it now has already gotten through committee hearings, is HB 458, which is another BUD bill that is being run by Namdi Jukwocha uh, that basically allows the city to use eminent domain power to take over vacants um, for a broad use of purposes, um, all defined under community development plans, which they don't, do not find in the bill itself. So uh, those bills are actually both being heard. And if you heard our episode yesterday, we talked a little bit more about this. But uh, both those bills were on the committee together. Neither of them got the full hearing, but one was walked. Uh, the amended domain bill was walked that day. And the Green Amendment was delayed for another day and then killed in committee. So we're going to put a link in the show notes, which is going to uh, let you know how to get in contact with your legislators about that. Um, but... Luckily, the bunding bill that we did talk about as well was tabled in committee and will likely not be heard this year. So it's not all bad news. It's just a lot of bad news. So, yeah, all that information will be in the show notes if you're interested in getting more involved. And I'll throw it back to Rob and Cheyenne. Well, Cheyenne, thanks for coming in. Thank you for having me. I love having you. I, I appreciate I, it. I, 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 I do. I, I, love, I, love, I love doing this, and, and I love being able to... Um, to speak my mind with somebody I know appreciates it. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, you're very welcome. Um, folks, uh, we will talk to you soon. Actually, I think the next time we talk to you, we'll be announcing uh, who has won one of five signed copies of Hal Weitzman's book, What's the Matter with Delaware. Um, all $5 plus uh, a month patrons are eligible to win one. And we're going uh, to draw the names out of a hat. And so if you're a $5 a month or more patron, um, it, your name may be, might be called. But I will find out from you whether you want your name uh, mentioned uh, before I do it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I hope everybody uh, also follows Hal's work because it's starting to catch a little traction both here and in the country, I've noticed. Uh, so I think by the end of the summer we're going to have more uh, more news about some of his work and how we're going to uh, take that forward um, both in academic circles here and political circles and try to jam some of that corporate transparency into the discourse. So. Um, Cheyenne, thanks. Carl, thank you. And, um, you know, if I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times. Left is best. Left is best.